the kind of hard wiring of fight, flight or freeze is yeah. incredibly powerful. And however smart we think we are, it is the old brain, it is the limbic system underneath that is actually driving us. We're Eggshells, the podcast exploring disagreement and how to do it better. We ask how we can make difficult conversations easier to have by exploring solutions to the challenges we all face when having them. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the episode of Fight, Plant, Fruits. Hannah, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. And I'm excited to learn lots about fight flight and freeze good because i'm pretty excited to talk to you about it and just remind you of all the wonderful conversations that we've already had with wonderful people about this topic now we had so many wonderful conversations that what i've actually done is split this into two different episodes so this is fight flight and freeze one because in this first episode we're going to be talking about what fight flight and freeze is like what we mean when we say that okay why it happens and then in the second episode, we'll cover what we can do about it. Even better. Useful. Yeah. Very useful. It's super useful. I think this is something that I had had in mind when we started thinking about disagreement. Yeah. But I'm not sure I really appreciated. I certainly didn't anticipate how much it was going to come up in our conversations, how many different people were going to mention it. Yeah. And how important I think it is how much of a common reaction one of these fight, flight or freeze is yeah. when people get into conflict Yeah, and how important it is for us to deal with it. You're so right. Like, I think I was the same. I was sort of aware of its existence within the context of difficult conversations and, and our bodies reacting to, to stuff. Mm. But like you say, so many people spoke about it. And not just how important it is, but also like how deeply ingrained it, it is in our bodies mm, for sure. and how old it is. Yeah. So it's been really fascinating and like fun to learn about. Yeah, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Humans, like all species, have self-protective mechanisms to help us survive. Our fight, flight or freeze survival response, the FFF for short, is designed to mobilize our brain and body to fight an enemy, run from an avalanche, or freeze to hide from a predator. Our brain sometimes misinterprets safe situations as dangerous and can set off false alarms. When the amygdala, our brain's watchdog, senses and barks danger, our body enters survival mode quicker than our rational mind can react, leaving it trying to figure out why we feel in mortal danger. When the FFF alarm is sounded, we start to breathe more quickly and shallow, causing hyperventilation, and our heart starts beating very fast. These changes can cause strong chest pain, which many people interpret as symptoms of a heart attack, when in fact it's just a result of the FFF activation, which can be relieved through breathing exercises. So we just watched a YouTube video by a company called Brave, Building Healthy Minds. They sound great. And it explained to us what Fight, Fly and Freeze was in, I thought, a very clear way. What did you think of that video? I found that quite hard to watch, actually. Did you? <laughs> I mean, 
very, very useful and very clear explanations of the way our body responds in those modes, the fight, flight and freeze. Yeah. But I found when it was describing a lot of <laughs> like the nausea or the kind yeah. of heart palpitations or the needing to go to the toilet, like I have experienced all of those things. And so I think I found it quite like, oh God, it was taking me back to moments when I have felt my body in those modes and it's not a very nice feeling. Wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How, what did you think? I thought it was a very informative video. I thought it was really useful and a really useful way for us to start this episode because it's important always to lay the groundwork of what on earth we're talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> Before we start so talking about people it. People totally confused. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so pause and go and watch the whole video if you want or go and watch it after you've finished listening. Put it in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because we're going to go on now to hear from David who's our resident hospital chaplain and see what he has to say about fight, fight and freeze. Excellent. This is sort of hardwired into us from the reptilian part of our ancient, ancient brain that is so well queued up at this that within our amygdala and the deeper part of our brain, it happens quicker than most other reactions our brain can give us. So the fight and flight system kicks in before we might even have actually processed the visual thing or the audible thing it is that's causing us to get there. So we might witness the threat and begin to form our fight or flight response at a quicker speed than our body even notices the threat is there, if that makes sense. So within that... yeah. And this yeah. is then essential to understanding how we then engage in conflict or disagreement is in some ways then because we have to start to interrogate our first response because we are beyond the reptilian part of our brain. We are now fully functioning upright homo sapiens that are hopefully a bit better than going on gut reaction. I know it immediately is like, well, no. And in some ways we can't be because that reaction has got us here. That is why we are in our lovely, upright, intellectually superior moments of life right now. That is a bit of our survival system that gets us here. But we can then be so much more than our initial fight or flight response. And so how do we talk to ourselves? How do we actually, in those moments, when we're going into disagreement and conflict, start to, and I'm saying this like I'm good at it, I'm terrible at it, but it's just, I am slowly hoping to get better <laughs> because I'm then just like, okay, let's interrogate, let's talk to myself and notice where this first response is coming from. And again, because I don't want it to be about fighting or running or winning or losing, it's about, well, actually, what's on, what's on the table to disagree over. Well, that was great, wasn't it? Well, it's just so cool... Um... It's just so cool. It, it, I really like the way that David picks out that this happens much quicker than we can control it. I think that's really yeah. important to know. I bang on and on about how it's just so important to understand what's going on with ourselves so that we can yeah. be nice to ourselves and forgive ourselves and not be like, why am I having this crazy reaction to this thing? Mm -hmm. um, and so to understand that this is a survival mechanism that's been hardwired into us and that it is literally happening quicker than we can perceive what is actually occurring, you know, 
is to me both slightly intimidating in terms of then how do we manage that, but also really reassuring, like, oh, I'm not just, you know, losing my mind. Well, reassure. I mean, I loved what he said a couple of times about interrogating that. And I think it is reassuring because we are evolved beings now. Mm. So we do have the ability to notice. It takes work. And he also says, you know, I'm not perfect at it and it's not an easy thing to do. But we do have the ability to go, oh, okay, it's really interesting that I'm reacting like that. I wonder why that is. And examine it. And it's just one of those things that you're not going to get straight away, but you probably have to practice. Yeah, yeah. So you and I have talked before about maybe there being default responses, activated responses. You're either a fighter, a fleer, or a freezer. And we talked to Rhymey about this. conflict what person are you because so Lizzie and I have have spoken about this a lot basically you know Lizzie I think would describe herself as someone who is happier to go towards conflict and I (laughs) conflict terrifies me and so I'm, I'm working and I'm getting better at it but my instinct my like gut instinct is to flee is to run far away from the conflict and as I'm trying to practice not fleeing and to, to be with the person, it, it, I, it's something I find really terrifying. And I wonder where you place yourself in disagreements. Where do you come at it from? Are you a fleer or are you a going towards? I think that my, my brother would describe me as, and he has, if I'm in a conflict in the streets or whatever, they think they say, oh, you're like a volcano about to explode. I don't like walking with you in the streets because (laughs) apparently I react. Um, I think the things that are not useful for anything like that is running away, fleeing, uh, attacking, or freezing, which are all, you know, coping safety mechanisms. Is he like a volcano, Hannah? You know him better than I do. Well, I haven't been on the receiving end of him being a volcano. (laughs) To me, he's just a beautiful, wonderful, ethereal being. Okay. So the next person that I want to introduce to us here is Bella. Okay. And she's going to outline fight, flight and freeze for us in about the clearest way that I could picture because she integrates it within a model that is called the polyvagal theory. Awesome. Buckle up. I'll get the tea. Yes. The polyvagal theory, which has become quite mainstream, but only in the last 10 or 15 years. And I'm certainly not an expert. Let's just put that out there. But it's been incredibly useful in my work, finding out how the nervous system works and the part that breath plays in how we regulate our nervous system. Because our nervous system responds to external stimuli all the time. It's always checking the room, checking other people. It's orienting ourselves to check that we are safe. And in using the polyvagal model, when we feel safe and we feel connected, we're in something called social engagement. And this is where we feel 
we can take risks, we can be creative. We feel, because we're hardwired to be social, we are social creatures. This is where we feel calm and alert. You know, it's our kind of our ideal space to be in most of the time. Then we have the fight flight response, and that's when we become activated. The symptoms of that are usually increased heart rate, sweaty palms, mm-hmm. dry mouth. We've all been. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> This is our our nervous system preparing for us to either run away or to fight. You know, our nervous system is responding to, let's say, doing a presentation as if there was a bear in the room. (laughs) Like our our body responds in exactly the same way. It's a very outdated system. It does sound like it. And so many people make that sort of comparison. The the bear is at the watering hole, so you've got to figure out what to do about it. And it's really frustrating, don't you think, that in the modern world, we can't, or can we, in some way, update that system to be like, nah, you're just giving your presentation at work, babes? So, yes. So when we're thinking about this model, we have social engagement at the bottom. And we might, let's use a traffic light system because that can usually give us a visual. So let's think of our green light as the social engagement mode. So when you're in social engagement, it's usually a place you might feel uh, sensations of joy, connection, Being present is a big part of social engagement, being right here, right now. You know, people might talk about being in your body. You know, I can feel the chair underneath my bum. I can feel my feet on the floor, which is why these are great, very basic and very effective little tools, reminders to bring us back into the present moment, not the fear of the future or the regret of the past or whatever it is that is bothering us. Mm. When we're in social engagement, we also can feel curious and open it's super important for compassion (laughs) so it's very difficult to be in a compassionate empathic state when we are activated when we're in the fight flight response but I'm just going to give you the final piece of this model because it's this is where polyvagal theory gives us a much deeper understanding than just the sympathetic and parasympathetic responses that we know about so In the old model, we saw the parasympathetic nervous system as the rest and digest and the sympathetic as the fight flight. And it's just one or the other. If you're in the parasympathetic, that's your brake, like putting the brake pedal on. And if you're in your sympathetic, that's your acceleration. And you you can't do both at the same time. You're either speeding up or you're slowing down. Mm -hmm. Now, what the polyvagal theory brings to the table is that we have this whole other gear which is freeze and freeze is actually our most ancient response to stress it's the reptilian response so when we talk about a reptilian response we're really talking about ancient reptiles that are actually extinct now although having said that reptiles that are around now still have this response where if they are under threat they often won't run or try and fight they will freeze they will play dead And what this does, it usually deters the predator because a lot of predators actually need an active thing to fight in order to to try and kill it. If they think something is dead, they'll often just wander off. Or you might freeze to the point where you're actually invisible and the predator can't see you. So coming back to this traffic light system, we've got green social engagement. That's where we are now. Although I feel slightly activated because I feel a little bit nervous. So I'm kind of heading to like my heart's probably going a little bit faster than normal Mm -hmm. and then so we we go into amber so amber is your fight flight the flight that's the running that will manifest as kind of what I'm feeling now like a little bit of 
fluttery kind of like very mild anxiety and then if that got really amped up it might turn into proper fear or panic and then if I go into my fight mode then that would manifest more as something like anger or rage or frustration and I'll just say that it's understood I (laughs) resonate with this idea that we each have our kind of our favorite response that we go to we're all Mm. capable of all of, of the fight flight and freeze but we usually create a habit of going into one of them. So when under threat, i.e. the nervous system is going into like, I need to survive. Some people are going to get that worry, anxiety, I need to get out of here. And some people are going to go rage and go towards. And then this other category of people who habitually go into freeze. And this is where it gets really interesting because freeze manifests as, it can manifest as disassociation feeling like you're actually outside of your body, numbness, depression, a feeling of helplessness. And going once again back to that traffic light system and the freeze response being the red light, we go into the freeze when we're in a situation when we can't fight or flee. So this might be something as extreme as a child or even an adult being held down, being physically held so they can't fight back and they can't get away. And the nervous system will go into freeze which seems to make perfect sense but it doesn't have to be that extreme it doesn't have to be that you've actually been in a situation where you've been physically held down Mm -hmm. it could well be that you're in a relationship and you're living with someone that you can't get away from and you also are not strong enough to fight this would be very relevant for kids who have perhaps abusive parents or even just overbearing parents where the kid doesn't feel like they have a voice they can't speak back speak up and Obviously, they can't leave. So they they almost set a habit of freezing and going very still and quiet and small as a way of surviving. And I see this so much with my students. And I certainly, having learned more about this, I recognize this habit in myself. I'm not really a fighter when it comes to conflict. And I think I grew up in a family who are I think their preferred mode is the fight. I think they love an argument and they love the noise. It's quite a healthy way for my family as a whole to like get stuff out. They're quite fiery. And I never felt like that. I always felt like I was different and that I would shrink back at the thought of being told off or being wrong. I wouldn't shout back because I didn't feel like I could actually. And I also wouldn't really worry and get anxious. I would just often just go quite still. And I, my whole life, I thought that was a kind of skill. I was like, I just get really calm mm. in the face of panic. When everyone else is running around, I just go really calm. And there's a sense that, yes, I probably am calm, but I'm learning the more I learn about this model and read about it and mm-hmm. talk about it. It's like, oh, there's a bit of me that is definitely freezing or I don't feel capable I'm definitely too scared to speak up and a part of me is slightly disassociating because it's too much to handle right now so if you can imagine you get let's say us three and we all have different responses like our different favorite responses to stress say I'm a freezer Lizzie you're a fighter and Han is a fleer you can see how very quickly this is going to escalate would be potentially really either explosive or just like unhelpful absolutely yeah yeah absolutely and if we don't if we don't recognize where we're at and the beautiful thing about when we're looking at the nervous system is that 
to an extent we can bypass the story and the talking about it and just go look this is my nervous system my nervous system is responding to you as if you're a bear and all this stuff all this sophisticated language and mindfulness and things that tools that can really help when the amygdala which is like the fire alarm the alarm system in the brain when that is firing and we're going you are under threat what uh, Dan Siegel calls flipping our lid so our connection to our prefrontal cortex which is the most evolved part of us as humans it's this part of the brain I'm touching my forehead here this is our where we have our ability to philosophize to empathize this is where language lives this is like a very very modern part of our system that only humans have so the ability of the that humans have of living together in big groups and not just killing each other all the time is because we can dialogue we can empathize even if i i feel something and you feel something different we can make a connection. So he talks about flipping our lid. So we lose connection with the prefrontal cortex and we go back to either the old mammalian response, which is about 400 million years old, which is the fight flight, or we go right back to the reptilian response, which is our oldest part of the system, which is the freeze. And he talks about when that happens, it's like we're offline. We've gone offline. We're going, we're, we're in panic mode. We're in fight flight or freeze. And it can take between two and 45 minutes to come back to our social engagement. And this is tied all together by the breath. But I'm going to take a breath now because I feel like I've just <laughs> talked so very much. fast. Oh my God, <laughs> there's so much. There's so much in there. Do we even need to say anything else? <laughs> I don't think we even need to talk at She this just point. said everything. I know, but she said so much. Okay, let's go over some of the things that she said. So she talked about there being three tiers. Remember, she talked at the end about fight and flight being mammalian and freeze being reptilian. Yeah. Which so is even older. Yeah. And it might be that us referring to fight, flight, and freeze, because freeze is definitely something that has been added on to the list fight and flight yeah at, at a later point in my life mm-hmm. so I wonder even if some people listening are, are a bit like freeze I thought it was just fight or flight you know yeah um, and so Bella kind of separates those out yeah I also found it so useful that she she alluded to practical tools such as the breath to bring you back to the present which allows you to access compassion and empathy which you can't do when you're in your fight flight and freeze that was such a good point just understanding that because you know so many people have said to us why I like I'm just going to rearrange myself on this bed here which is going to be loud <laughs> do you mean in our professional studio yeah yeah, yeah I mean in our professional <laughs> <laughs> obviously yeah, I'm professional. <laughs> um so many people have said to us I just can't really listen or I can't really understand the other person's point of view because when I get into an argument, I get so heated or I get so nervous or, you know, my breath starts going or whatever that I just can't can't listen. Yeah. And the fact that that's because our sympathetic, and I'm going to come back to the word sympathetic because Bell's used that Please as well. Please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because the, the area of our brains which allows us, let's say, to be empathetic Bells was talking about it being the, our prefrontal cortex. Yeah. The fact that we are 
disassociated from that part of our brain yeah. when we are activated in a fight or flight and then freeze response. Mm-hmm. It's just like, again, boom, science for why we can't be empathetic. We're not just yeah. terrible people yeah. who can't listen to other people. Literally, science is stopping us yeah. from doing it. So it's really, it just helps me not to be hard on myself or go, oh God, I should be behaving differently in this moment. There are actual yeah. tools yeah. that we will go on to talk about that can help you reestablish that connection to your prefrontal cortex and therefore access a better dialogue, yeah. potential for a better dialogue. And I find that personally very reassuring because it's like there are things we can learn yeah, yeah. and train into our nervous system. Totally. Speaking of learning, because I just said sympathetic. Yes. So she talks about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. This is a completely new set of words for mm-hmm. me. So sympathy is obviously a thing that we're like, oh, oh you're going through I'm that. Sorry. sorry about that. And then also a sympathetic nervous system is a nervous system that's activated. So that's our fight flight response. Yeah. Parasympathetic is the like social engagement one she was talking about yeah so when we're super chill and ready to ride in daily life and to link it slightly to the episode that we did on empathy Mm. which Bella also featured in I think it allows the parasympathetic um parasympathetic nervous (laughs) nervous system We just um, went over this, Hannah. Yeah. Why are you listening to me? God. Why are you attached to your prefrontal cortex? God. Because you're slightly activated. Because yeah. you're recording a podcast. Yes. Um, the parasympathetic nervous system allows space for compassion and empathy. And you're able to hold yourself more. Whereas when you're activated, you're just, you've got too much else going on just to be able to do any of that. It all goes away. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely. Belle's also talked about how she has a favourite response. Much like... Much when, like Rhymey. Yeah. And honestly, you and I have banged on about this for quite a while to yeah, each other. We have done. Yeah. Although I think what I have found, and I, I think I have mentioned this to you, is that at the beginning of this kind of whole research podcast journey, yeah. I really, really identified as a fleer that sometimes maybe slips into freezing. Mm. And I hope and I believe that that is changing. I, I, I think my default will probably always be a bit more on the fleeing side. Mm. But I think what talking to all of these different fascinating human beings has given me is, I guess, a bit more confidence and a bit more hope and understanding of you might have a favourite response and I, but as Bella says, it doesn't mean that that's the only response and you're not capable of accessing the other ones. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and bringing, maybe bringing them in with a bit more, this is a bit much, you're not going to be able to control them, are you? That just goes against everything we've just said. But an understanding about anything, yeah. knowledge is power, right? Yes, yeah. And so understanding that you have a default that you go to mm-hmm. might help you to choose to override that and adopt mm-hmm. features of a different kind of response. Yeah. Either another, either a fight response if you're a fleer or whatever, or a much more social engagement response. Yeah. 
Yeah. What she said about it taking between two and 45 minutes to get back to social engagement once you've been activated. Yeah. I think that's really important because if you just let your body get back to itself naturally, it could take 45 minutes. Yeah. Which is a really long time. Yeah. We do have to give ourselves some space after we've been activated to mm-hmm. get back down. Yeah. To the ground. But that makes so much sense. It's like, you know, if even if you have something happens to you in your day that irritates you, mm. it doesn't even necessarily have to be uh, conflict related, but something happens to you that annoys you and it can stay with you and ruin your day. Totally. Totally. And then you might wake up the next day and be like, wow, God, like that that woman who bumped into me in the supermarket. God, that really, really pissed me off. Yeah, yeah. And like, really shouldn't have. For a much longer time than seems reasonable. Yeah. But your body's like, she was a bear and that was not cool. Yeah. I hope that made some sort of sense. Did it make some sort of sense, Hannah? Yeah. It yeah? Did. What's your What's your big takeaway, do you think? I think, well... I think I'll get more takeaways when we listen to the next episode. But my main takeaways at the moment are that we might have a default response, but we are capable of all the responses. Yeah. But more importantly, the more we understand and the more knowledge we have, the more likely it is that we can bring ourselves out of the sympathetic and into the parasympathetic. We're all capable of doing that. God, you just used all the right words in completely the right order. Well done. Thanks. Gosh, that (laughs) sounded really great. (laughs) Thank God. That was a really excellent summary of what we've just... Thanks, Hannah. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) All right. See you for episode two on Fight, Flight and Freeze. Can't wait. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was Eggshells. If you liked that episode then tune into others about how to disagree better by visiting our website or searching for us on your podcast provider. Please like this podcast on Apple, give it a five-star review and tell all your friends about it. Support for independent podcasts like ours is vital and we hugely appreciate it. If you fancy getting in touch, we're at helloeggshells at gmail.com. We love a chat. Eggshells is hosted by me, Lizzie Bourne, and Hannah Leach. Our sound designer is Andreas Petru, and our music is by Willard Hill and Andreas Petru. Big thank you to Bex Arthur and Marcella Terrable, as well as all the beautiful guests featured on today's podcast. See you soon. <laughs>